The quarterly results in for Tenant Healthcare, and once again, they beat the estimates handily. I mean, really handily. $2.70 was a dollar twenty-one cents better than expected. The stock kind of languished for a little while, then all of a sudden it took off like a rocket and uh, closed sharply higher on Tuesday, which got to make the executive chairman happy. Ron Rittenmeyer is executive chair of Tenant Healthcare, joins us right now. It's good to have you with us. Thanks, David. Thank you. All I've been hearing about is is the the troubles, the challenges for your industry. I, I don't know when's the last time I saw a front page article on the Dallas Morning News talking about how much hospitals are having to pay to to get expensive what they call travel nurses in. Right. Those are that's a real problem. Um, you know, right now nursing costs. I mean, nursing shortage is real, and then on top of that, of course the the third-party agencies that uh, recruit nurses uh, sometimes recruit our own nurses uh, and promise them bigger pay if they're willing to go to another ge- geography and work in that location for a period of time. Um, and then, you know, we end up paying that bill uh, through the agencies. It's the only way we can cover the staffing. Uh, so it has been a bit of a, uh, you know, uh, complication. But uh, now with the hopefully the COVID trend starting to go back down, we'll see if that's for real or not. Uh, but but we are seeing it still have a lot of COVID cases. Don't get me wrong, but um, we are seeing at least the trend starting uh, to, to come down a bit. So is is the uh, problem? Is that the problem? Is it COVID? I mean, are the nurses? getting sick and they can't work or are, are, are there just not people going into the, the nursing business? Well, probably um, more the former than the latter. Uh, you know, we, we do need to get more nurses uh, education going. I know that um, the government is working on that as well uh, in some joint efforts uh, that we've, you know, had comment on and been contributing to uh, equally though, uh, our staff, as my, unlike the original COVID waves, uh, where we really kept our staff infections very low, especially compared to the national average, uh, now they've gotten up there, and we do have people out for you know five days or seven days or ten days, depending on the situation, and you know because the Omicron spread is so rapid that you know we don't know where they're getting it. We don't think they're getting it in the hospital. But we do know they get it outside. And, um, you know, it's, it's much more rapid than it was. So, yes, I think lack of staffing, function, you know, added to just a tight market uh, is making this much, a much greater hill to climb. Now, one of the challenges for tenant, uh, you know, right in the, I guess, last year, when everything was shut down, is all your, your, your surgery centers. And you've got surgery centers spread out across the country under all different different names but about 430 of them 430 and i know they're very profitable and everything else are they all back open and operating fully now yeah we we actually have not shut any down um we did during the initial peak uh, when COVID first hit but for a very short period of time uh but they are all functioning but again they their problem is cancellations you know, individuals um, look at the news or um, they get nervous and they say, well, I better not go there. I'm going to put it off. Uh, depending on the surgery, you know, you can probably let, you know, you can let a colonoscopy slide for X number of months. 
weeks. You can let some other things wait. But, you know, real real issues around orthopedics where knee pain, hip pain, shoulder pain are real or some other surgeries that need to be done, um, they got to get done. But people do tend to cancel, uh, you know, we had a much higher cancellation rate uh, than normal in the last, uh, let's call it two months, but uh, we're seeing that start to level out now. And most of those will get rescheduled and they'll still occur. But uh, the surgery centers per se are probably one of the safest places in the world, very captured environment. You don't have a lot of transient traffic coming through. Uh, people are there and they're gone. Uh, they're tested for COVID. Uh, the staff is all tested. So very safe environment. Hey, and you have to jump through a lot of hoops before they'll let you step in those places either <laughs> nowadays. So tell me about the, the growth of that. You had a fair amount of organic growth uh, in these surgery centers, but also you made some, you know, really high-profile acquisitions to grow it. Are you right-sized yet? Are you still growing it? Well, I don't think we'll ever stop growing. I mean, I think growth is important. But just in this year, we've added, uh, if you really think about it, step back, we've established ownership in another, I'd say, 160 facilities since uh, December of 2020. So that's what, just roughly a year. Um, we bought uh, 45 in December of 20, uh, another four from SCD 2021. Then we bought 86 more in December of 21. Um, and then um, we did another 22 uh, centers separately. So we, we really have a, not only built a very big organization, but we have a tremendous uh, pipeline, uh, still a very fragmented industry, and we'll continue to do that. And we do, th- we do three-way partnerships. Uh, for example, Baylor Scott and White, tremendous partner, uh, tremendous operation. They are, they and uh, us uh, at USPI and the doctors. We create a three-way partnership in some centers, then in others, it's just tenant and the doctors. So it just depends on the situation. That also seems like an area that that's seen a lot of uh, a lot of growth in in technology uh, procedures that used to be, you know, a, at least overnight stays in the hospital or whatever, uh, now uh, are becoming day surgery. Yeah, the majority of what we do in surgery centers are not overnight; they're they're day surgery. Uh, we have surgery hospitals, twenty five of them, around the country. In addition. And those can tend to be one-night stays, uh, you know, if needed. So we, we do have some of that. But for the most part, these are your, you go in in the morning and you're usually out by mid-afternoon. So you're, as we were saying, spread out all over the country. I mean, the, the, the general sense of what we've been seeing is that this Omicron variant seems to have peaked in a whole lot of areas, and we're maybe now we're we're on the backside of it. Is that what you all are observing? Um, you know, we're always reluctant to say that, uh, but yeah, I think for the most part, we are seeing that. Uh, but when we say on the backside, there's still I want to emphasize, still a significant number of cases uh, in hospitals and and being uh, you know diagnosed daily. So it's not like we should all sit back, breathe a sigh of relief, and say it's over. We don't have to worry anymore. It's not over, but it is it is down, and that's the good news. But it's still you know reasonably, still reasonably high. 
And is the assumption that there's yet another variant and another, maybe another variant after that still to come? Well, you know, that, it depends on who you're talking to, I guess. But our, our, I guess, general point of view at this point is that, you know, COVID may not go away, but it may become a, a situation that we learn to live with versus learn to fear, um, you know, similar to the flu. The flu has been around forever, and every year people get infected by the flu. Every year we have a rush on the hospitals with people with the flu. Uh, it's not as bad when everybody's out wearing masks, obviously, but it's a respiratory disease. And I think, um, you know, one school of thought is that the, uh, the variants will not be as strong, just like Omicron wasn't as strong. It was, it was contagious, but it, it certainly didn't lead to the um, the impact of the first one or the right. Delta variant even. So if that is in case, what we see, I mean, I think there are vaccinations on a, you know, on an annual basis, perhaps, I don't know that, but that would be one consideration and something you learn to deal with similar with how you deal with the flu. Despite all of that, all of the challenges, uh, a really quite impressive quarter for tenant health care. Ron Rittenmeyer is executive chairman and our guest today. And we always enjoy our visits. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you, David. And I want to also just say thanks to our teams that have uh, really, really delivered uh, quality care to all our patients across the country. Something we all appreciate, believe me. For more of our conversation with Mr. Rettmeyer, go to krld.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.